What's happening, world? It's uh, Kira and Ben back again doing their podcast, uh, What's Happening. We haven't been around in a while, and that's because, well, life happens, and we're back, and we're very excited to be back. So we're going to do these two movies. What are they, Kira? Uh, yes. So today we are going to be covering Let Me In and Let the Right One In. Uh, these are both the same film, Let the Right One In, came out first. And that is a Swedish one. And then Let Me In is the American remake. Um, They are both based off a book, though. So we're going to talk about the different kinds of interpretations. We're going to talk about the themes. We're going to talk about the acting. You know, we're going to go through spoilies. You know how we do, everybody. Yeah, we've been back. Um, It's a hectic time for both of us. Um, So we appreciate um, your patience and waiting for us to come out with some new content. Um, But life happens. Ben, you were just in Disney. Yes, it was amazing. I had an amazing time. Uh, Disney World opened up three lands. Uh, first, they did Moana Land and two others. I actually got to go to Moana Land. That was a lot of fun. So if you get a chance to go, I do recommend it. And I'm just glad to be back doing this. Did they have all their Christmas stuff out? They did, and it was absolutely amazing. We went to the very first Hollywood Studios uh, version of their Holly, um, you know, the Jollywood Christmas special, and it was fun. Uh, they had cookies and hot chocolate, and it was just like, a Christmas miracle, and I had such a good time. They made it snow in Disney. It was really fun. That's so cool. And um, it, it was briefly snowing here for a little bit, actually. Yes. It, it looks like it stopped now. But uh, for those of you who don't live in uh, snow-affected climates, uh, we are in New England, of course. So we are anticipating the snow, I should say. Yes. And the person that's saying let it snow, let it snow, did not live in a snowy <laughs> area. So the hell with him. I know. <laughs> And we were just talking about White Christmas, and I always think of that song, Snow, Snow, Snow. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. But, I mean, this movie is great. This is a horror film, but it is also set in the dead of winter. So I think it's uh, pretty pretty comparable to talk about uh, for this time. Um, and this is, um, for those of you who don't know, this is a vampire story. So this is kind of rounding out those um, horror films that we were doing for Halloween, obviously. Now we are in December, but, eh, you know, life happens, and... Like I said, it's a winter movie, so we can talk about it anytime. Um, ben, tell me your history with the films. So I actually had no history with these films. I didn't know anything about them. Um, a co-worker at Trader Joe's named Luke had suggested them to us, and uh, he said, hey, you know, you got to do both, though, because one's the Swedish version, which came out first, and then the American version, and you have to compare them. And I said, okay, and I threw it to you. I said, hey, you know, what do you want to do? Because that's what we do. And Kira had actually watched both, and she was very excited to do this. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting talk. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is a trend that we see often in films. Um, to one that I always think of um, when talking about American versus um, foreign remakes is if you look at the film um, Funny Games, which is actually one of my favorites. Um, for those of you who don't know, Funny Games is a, I believe, a Norwegian film or Danish film, Swedish. I don't know. It is Eastern European. And it follows two brothers, and then they actually do an American remake of the same name, Funny Games. And what's cool about that one is actually the directors of the um, of the original foreign language one actually direct the American. So it's actually very interesting. And I and what and what I want to talk about too is this idea, like later when we talk about these two films, is the idea of America feeling like they have to remake things in the English language. Like they just taking stories. I know that they try. They were in talks of doing it with the Korean film Train to Busan. Um, I also know they're doing it with another Norwegian film, um, See No Evil. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and James McAvoy is actually attached to that one. See No Evil or Speak No Evil. I'm so sorry. Speak No Evil is 
I don't think going to be that good because I saw the original and the original was not that good. <laughs> well, Train to Hassan is about the zombies, right? Yeah, that's yes, the Korean yeah, one. I saw that and that was really good. And I, it's like, why do they need to do an American yeah, remake? You don't need to. And I feel like in these two stories that we're about to talk about, the American remake was unnecessary. So I will say what is interesting and what I what I realize now going back to these films is for the American one, it's actually directed by Matt Reeves. And we had covered um, his version of Batman. And I think it's interesting to see that um, him do a movie like that and then do a movie like Batman and see what like a bigger budget and like more action can do for a director. Yeah, and he didn't get a lot of credit for the Batman movie. They actually got, like, pretty trashed, and uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was so good. I thought it was really good, and, like, people are so... I think American people stereotype what they expect from a Batman movie in comparison to what it should be, and I thought that was what it should be. Exactly, because Batman's not cool. Okay, if you guys want to hear our full Batman discussion, listen to the episode, but Batman is not cool, and Matt Reeves did that correctly. Thank you. Okay, so back to the vampire movies. So what the what they are is, and we'll talk about them in conjunction because what I want to, what I think we're mostly going to focus on today is going to be that compare and contrast of the two films. So briefly, the story is about um, a main younger um, female presenting vampire, and I do want to talk about that um, later too because when we talk about the identities of both these vampires i think in the swedish one there are things that are a little bit more ambiguous than in the american which i appreciate um so it follows though a young female presenting um vampire um ellie in the original swedish abby in the american and it follows her relationship with a younger boy we have um oscar in the Swedish version, and then in the American version, we have Owen. So um, I'll probably be using these names interchangeably, so if it is hard to follow, my bad. (laughs) Um, And then there is a third character that I would consider the three main characters in the American version. His name is called Hankin or Hankin. Actually, it's Hankin in both of them. And this is kind of our main vampire's um, kind of familiar I would say or protector and I want to talk about the ideas of that because I think the themes of these films are more important than like the stories the stories are pretty basic right so um our main our the stories are told from the point of view of our young men so Oscar or um Oscar or Owen and um these young men are outcasts they're but they're children I mean it's it to me it's a little unclear but I would say they're probably what like 12 13 yeah they're yeah, very young very young like like pre impressionable imp- perfect word definitely impressionable and so we um we see them they're isolated they're outcasted they're bullied and then they become enamored or infatuated with a new person that moves into their building and this person is quiet and mysterious moves in the middle of the night it is but they have an attachment to them. They and they because this one person shows them kindness in the in a way that I guess a vampire could show kindness. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Okay, so the very the person that you said um, they're they're familiar. Hey, Hankin. Yeah. Harkin. So for me, I felt that Harkin was someone that they latched onto to like be a, they have the support. And as the person got older, they were looking for another person to support. And then that's why they went and found this new kid to support because they knew that this person was at the end of his of his life. And um, and then not that they didn't love this person or care about this person. It's just that they knew that the expense of this person was about to end and they needed someone new. Of course. And I and I 100 percent agree with that. And I think it's so interesting how this movie portrays it. Right. Because 
if you're looking at it from the point of view of these kids, it's kind of like this very sweet love story. You see the affection that our young males have for our female vampire. And it's kind of like this sweet, tender, like coming of age love story. But if you look at it from the point of view of this is an immortal vampire, it's kind of makes takes this like sick turn of them taking these boys who are outcasted and alone and isolated and sort of grooming them into becoming this next caretaker for them. So I feel like when you look at it, there's kind of this like malevolence behind all of it, right? And I think what happens in the American version is the relationship between Abby and Harkin or Hankinen, I don't know how to pronounce it, I'm so sorry, guys, is it seems much more like father-daughter. Like you can tell like he was really trying to protect her. You can kind of see that like empathy for her and like really that kind of, but those clear boundaries of this relationship. I think in the Swedish one, it is blurred a little bit more where you can't tell the ideals of, the caretaker i mean he he does care for ellie and he does do what he needs to but that also feels like there's kind of this like tension like almost like maybe he's like a pedophile you know what i'm saying and it's kind of, and, and to me i i mean that's what i got from the film what do, what do you think i felt it was like um a domestic violence situation where the person is dependent on the other person and they sit there and they try and justify why they love the person and that they can see past their faults. And um, the person was so enamored by the person that they loved that they looked past all the bad that they were doing to justify the love that they had for the person. And it started at an early age and developed over the years. And they first started out the same age. Mm-hmm. But then the vampire, of course, is not going to age, but the person is. So they still have that adolescent love okay. for the vampire that they had when they first started. started. Yeah. And that's why I say it's malevolent on the side of our vampires because then they are taking they're picking out their next familiars and like grooming them and knowing that they will watch them die. Oh, 100%. And see, the thing is the vampire says it, but the person doesn't realize it. Of course. You know, cuz it's a vampire and the vampire is going to manipulate the situation any way they can. So when the person is talking to them, they're like, I am not human. And they don't understand the concept of that. They're like, well, you know, they're looking at them. They think they're human, but they're like, well, what do you mean you're not human? You're human. But the vampire is trying to explain themselves in a way that it's sneaky, yet not sneaky. And this way, like, like they're, not, they're not trying to justify their wrong, but they're trying to justify their wrong. But to but I mean to a vampire when you live immortally everything is kind of subjective right so what is right and wrong to them I mean they have to kill other people right. to survive right so their morality I mean if you can even call consider them to have a morality is going to be very skewed anyway so I I'm totally a hundred percent agreeing with what you're saying it's just yeah you, oh you know and also like does it justify does a vampire has to justify itself to the sheep like, no right I mean. Like, does the wolf justify itself to the, the lamb when it kills it? It no. doesn't say, hey, look, I'm a wolf, you're a lamb, this is how we do things. Yeah. He doesn't have to. And that's what the vampire, the vampire's been around for centuries, so it's like, look, I am who I am, you are who you are, and this is how things work. Exactly. And I think what's cool, too, is that we, well, while we see these younger vampires kill, we also have that great scene where we watch our um, caretaker kill for the vampire that's seen in the woods when he's draining, when they're draining the blood. Yeah. And then they kind of get um, caught and startled. I think that's really interesting to see that, like, 
sometimes when you're a vampire, even though you are have all this strength and this immortality, sometimes physical stature, it does become problematic. I mean, we have these young girls who are who are do who can kill who we see can kill um but i think in this situation where they're killing like a bigger man they have their familiar do it yeah and also i think it was also the fact that they didn't want to turn people into vampires like, yeah they wanted the familiar to do it but this way this way they wouldn't contaminate the blood and the person would come back from the dead you know like when the girl gets bitten like when she has no choice but to like uh, attack someone right she attacks the person and then the person becomes a vampire but the person isn't aware of being a vampire so all they understand is like they were attacked by someone and now they have this thirst mm -hmm. and then they act upon it and then you know i think the recognition of the fact that they realize they are a vampire and they're like you know open the window yeah you know and they they want to die exactly and I think what's so cool in this film particularly is the tone that it sets. And I will say we were kind of talking like, which one do we think is better? And I off off camera, we both said that we felt, felt that the Swedish one was a stronger film. Yes, 100%. And I totally agree with that. And then on the reverse of that, you were saying, and this is what I wanted to get into, is that you felt that um, Chloe Grace Mortinez, who plays Abby in the American film, you thought that she was a better actress. No, I just felt she did better as the vampire than she expressed herself better as like you know the pain and the suffering she was going through as being a vampire compared to the other the other person was just very deadpan to me i was like all right well she doesn't she doesn't come off as emotional as the american actress did i thought she was more, the american actress was more like you know torn with like what was going on with her like you know she knew she was being a vampire, but she knew it was wrong, and she knew that she was corrupting this person. And you could see it in the the way she portrayed it compared to the Swedish actress, if that makes any sense. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think fundamentally that is what changed the movies for me. Yeah. And that's why I like the Swedish one more, because I think in the Swedish one, you get that this person has been a vampire for a while, right? Yeah. And so I don't think they have that remorse and I don't think they care. Yeah. I think it is about survival and we're seeing just a pocket of them grooming their new familiar and surviving. And so I do like that kind of distant little like offshoot of like, yeah, this is what I got to do because this is what I have to do. This is how I live. This is how I survive. This is what I need. And I, I think that to me made more sense. Yeah. And I feel like in American films versus foreign films, um, you see that they have a lot more ethos in it and they do try to do a lot more with the um, the, the human emotion yes. instead of just being like nope this is what happens like I feel like and I think that is because and I am just speaking I do think it's because American filmmakers treat their audiences like they are dumber than foreign filmmakers yes yeah and I, I agree with that and I think that's very apparent and I also think that's why American production companies and American um, executives believe that they have to remake these films into um, American versions because they don't trust that the American public would go out and seek these um, on their own. Oh, I, I bring up this quote all the time, especially when we talked about Parasite, um, but Bong Joon-ho um, has this great quote where he said, the world of film will open up to you if you can get past two inches of subtitles. Okay. And I think that is so true. And I will always recommend watch, watching the foreign original before you watch the American. 
the only exception I would say is, like I had said earlier, is Funny Games because it is actually done by the same director. And in the American, Tim Roth is in it. So we just, and I love Tim Roth. So, <laughs> But other than that, I think like you should watch these original films because what you're losing, and I mean, we'll, we'll always lose something with translations and with subtitles, but um, I cannot speak any other language but English. And my brain does not work that way. But I think too, these stories that are based in these, original languages these stories that are based in like these countries are so important because these are the stories that need to be told they don't need to be americanized and like westernized eastern westernized yes i agree um one of the things i will notice like when people find out who i am i'm like well I, you know i'm the host of was happening i you know i co-host with kira and they'll go well why do you guys do so many like international films now, why don't you do American films? Like, I hate reading subtitles. And that's exactly what I, I get at. I'm like, why do you hate reading subtitles? Because, like, subtitles, it, it's not that big of a deal. And it just shouldn't take away from the actual film. If you, if you look at the subtitles and it's Americanized, that's great. But if you watch the actual film, you'll get the, the, the essence of the film. Don't look at, like, the fact that you're, you have to read American subtitles. Look at the actual film. And yeah. that's what people don't do. They don't do that. And I think and I think it's really devastating because because there are so many great films. And I love one thing that I love about this podcast and what we really try to focus on is doing films from all over the world, because the American pool and the American eye is so is so similar and it's all the same. And I want to see new stories. And we talk about this all the time. We want to see new stories. We want to lift up new voices. We want to celebrate those that are different. And that's why I always watch the original. Um, back back to let the right one in. We will <laughs> we will talk about back this movie. This. <laughs> but it, it is so. I mean, I think what one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk about this was to talk about the ideas of how America again like just pulls from everything else to become successful and can't generate a good idea on their own. <laughs> you know what I thought was great about both films? They introduced the Rubik's cube. Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I did think that was fun. I thought that was great that they and to me it was amazing because like I thought it was fun that both of them started out with them like having to solve the problem of the fact that the Rubik's cube was difficult to the vampire because they didn't understand the concept of something so basic and simple to like to just move the, yeah. the, the Rubik's cube around to try and solve it. And then when she did solve it, he was kind of shocked at it because like, you know, he was like, "What do you mean you solved it?" And she's like, "I solved it. Here you go." You know, and for me, like as a Rubik's Cube person, I just broke it in half and like <laughs> and like pushed it back together. But um, it also reminded me of like the intertwining of the two characters and how complex they were to become united. Oh, absolutely! And I think it shows to a vampire's lack of like you can have all this knowledge and you can have all this experience, but there is still going to be that lack of like understanding of humanity and that like lack of like understanding like of like what brain what gives us little joys right yeah. because when you live forever nothing you're you don't look for the little joys in life anymore you're living forever you've seen it all you've seen everyone you've loved die you're and you're, everyone you love will always die yeah yeah especially when um he says you be my girlfriend and she goes what does that pertain yeah like you know? what does that mean yeah and she was like you know is it going to change anything and he's like, not really. And she's like, oh, then okay. And if you think about it in life, you know, it really doesn't change anything. When someone says, hey, you're my girlfriend. Okay, you've been hanging out together. You've been going to movies. You've been doing everything else. You've been kissing. You've been hanging out. It doesn't change a damn thing. It doesn't change a damn thing. But there is, I can understand where this little boy is coming from. Of like wanting the security of being like, 
we belong to each other. Like right. there's there's this one thing now that it's said out loud. It's binding us. Yes, nothing's going to change. We're going to still do what we do. But it's it's this verbal sort of agreement of right. this is who we are. Right. You know, but to a vampire, it means nothing. Yeah, it means absolutely nothing. I because mean, time means nothing to a vampire, whereas to humans, time means everything to us. But one thing does mean something to a vampire, and that's being allowed into a house. Oh, always. Right? And that was played into both these movies. Very well. You know, very well. Like, you have to tell me I can come in. Yeah. You know? And I thought that was great because, you know, that's the one thing people forget about the rules of a vampire is that you have to be told you can come into the house yeah. or else you can't. And when she walks in without being told and the blood starts pouring out her eyes and everything, and he's like, whoa, 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 you can come in, you can come in. You know, it shows, like, his... No, he didn't freak out about the fact that it was happening. He freaked out the fact that it was hurting her, and he didn't want to hurt her. Exactly, which I think, again, is so crazy how we as humans, when someone looks human, right? When yeah. someone looks human, then we start to perceive them as human. But then it comes down to what is human. Right. And we'll see the humanity in these young boys of being like, I don't want to hurt you. I want to love you. Let me protect you. Be my girlfriend. All this stuff. And we see the vampires not struggling with it, but also not really knowing how to like accept it. And, you know, they use human caring for their own purposes. Like when they go onto the bridge, both times they go onto the bridge, and they know that person's coming. They yeah. know that person's going to come and walk by and like, help me. help me. And they know that person's going to come help them, but they also know that they're not really wanting help. They want to kill this person. And, but they know that the person's going to come and go, hey, what's wrong? You yeah. know, like, so they use human empathy against humans. Of course, because they study humans, because that's what predators do. They study their prey right. and learn how to trap them yep. because they're what? Vampires. And right. they don't care. Right. And I think it's so interesting because I think, too, when we look at like, especially when we look at romantic relationships, and I'm going to talk about a science fiction movie um, in reference to this as well. But when we look at romantic relationships and we look at the the, the male um, version, the male side of that relationship, romanticizing and putting their their themselves onto the female we can see how they will lose parts of who that female is because of what they want and like we see um owen or oscar kind of forgetting that she is a vampire throughout this because they are so focused on like someone's paying attention to me someone loves me someone's caring for me i'm isolated from my mom i'm isolated from my friends i'm picked on and this person is like this hope for me while while forgetting that this person is a vampire and i and I was going to bring up, um, have you ever seen the film Ex Machina? No. Oh, my God. Great film. We're going to talk about it later. But what I want to talk about in this is our main protagonist in that film is performing a touring test on a female uh, presenting AI and how he falls in love with that AI and then forgets because she is so female presenting and so human like that she is actually an AI. And I don't. that's all I want to talk about without giving too much away. Because um, it deals with a lot of these same themes. But in this, we see, and it's like, is the message that the filmmakers are trying to make, like, are these men so, I don't want to use the word, like, ego-driven, but are they so physically driven that they can't, that they'll supplement what they consider pretty and good and forget that these people are not people but vampires? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I see that. And I, I don't know. It's something I like to think of because it's like, what else do we look past to, for what we want? This is what we were just talking about. Yeah. What do we look past for what we want? And 
I think when we look at, especially look at the characters of Hankin or Harkin, whatever, what what this person has now dedicated their whole life to basically caring for a child, even though we know that they're a vampire, but it's like this becomes their whole life. They're committing crimes. They're living in secret. They're, I don't, I, I don't know. They're caring for someone who will never die, but right. th- they've dedicated their whole lives to it. Right. But if you look, um, there's a part where they show like the picture of the two people together. It's him and her when he was young. Yeah, no, I so know. So he bonded with her when he was younger. Same thing that's happening with this kid. So, like, it's the vampire basically manipulating the situation where, you know, this person has been with her for so long and believes that the vampire loves them that all it knows is, that's why he says, you know, please don't go out with that boy tonight because, you know, he he knows that this is what's happening and he feels slighted. Does he feel slighted or does he also want to protect another person from the fate that he has of being so in love with someone that they can't you know what i'm saying right well you know like me being my like my age i'm 55 um my age like to see myself when i was younger like it affects you kind of because you're like oh wow you know maybe if i done things differently and maybe he sees that maybe he's like you know if i'd done this differently maybe like that's why he's trying to help this boy he's like you know don't do this to this kid. Yeah, don't yeah. do this to this kid. Like, yeah. you've done this to me. Am I not enough? Don't do this to someone else. Right. You know, and I think that's what happens when he's on the, when he comes out of the, the room and he's messed up and he's like, look, just take me. And she bites him and, like, drains his blood. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it just shows that she never truly loved him. She because just, she doesn't know how to love him. Right. All she knew was that he was, he was not useful anymore. Right. Yeah. So he was expendable. Just like how Oscar or Owen would become expendable. And I think that's the interesting dynamic because if you look at it from the vampire's point of view, it's very much a story of survival. And then if you look at it from the point of view of our young boys, it's very much a love. Right. And I agree. And maybe it's the fact that, like, as a young person, you're so enamored with the fact of love that you blindly seek it and don't actually look at the consequences behind it. True, sense? true. But at the same time, like you're also like we said, these kids are 12 years old. Like what consequences do they really have? I mean, obviously you fall in love with a vampire. This is going to become your whole life. But like it like if you look at any other 12 year old, like this young boy, like what's the consequences of falling in love? Oh, I get to say I have a girlfriend and maybe hold someone's hand. Like, yeah, that's cute. Yeah. But also he's someone that never had a friend, never had like he's picked on, he's abused. He's so he's just seeking some kind of like affection. I mean. His mom was what? Like single. Her mom is single, negligent. Yeah, and so she's not really there for him. He's looking for someone to be there for him. And that's what she can do. Right. And that's the thing. He's so enamored with the fact that someone might actually care about him and spend time with him and do the things that like you know, it's it's like a companion. You just yeah. want a companion. That's why you get a dog, you get a cat, you get a hamster, you get a snake, you get a you know, a ferret, you get some kind of companion because you want that companionship and yeah. it doesn't have to be a human but you know even when she says i'm not human he's like i don't really care he, he doesn't care because he he already has had a taste of that love so he can't have it go away right you know he's just so desperate to have that connection you know yeah i get it and it and it's sad and then you see hankin wanting to hold on to that connection you see owen and oscar um growing in that affection and you see abby or ellie just kind of controlling that right see I, i'm a I'm a big fan of the fact that, you know, I came into the world not dependent on anybody. 
I'm going to leave the world not dependent on anybody. And um, I see so many of my friends, they're like, I can't live without this person. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't live. And I'm like, you've been living. You've been living. The person wasn't in your life for the longest time. And, yes, it stinks that the person might leave you, but you're going to go on. You know, like that, that song, The Hot Will Go On. Yeah. The Hot Will Go On. <laughs> but, but at the same point, I also understand the sentiment of, like, you can live your life one way and think that you're happy and think that you have what you need. And then someone can come along and really just open you up and open up your eyes and open up your heart and show you that there's more. And then I would say I've been in that situation. I, I would, I would say that like, once you have that, you'll do everything in your power to hold on to it. And like, yeah, like the sentiment of, I can't live without you is so I find endearing and romantic. And it's something I believe in because like, I do believe that like our souls were like split and like we find that other person. Once you find that other person, why wouldn't you want to feel whole with that person and live and celebrate in that love? So there's actually a religion that uh, I want to say it's Phoenician. Um, it's, it's maybe Phoenician, maybe past Phoenician. Uh, they believe that the gods had created an ultimate being, uh, male and female, and they put them on the earth. And then, but this ultimate being was questioning the gods. So they split them, boom, broke them in half and scatter the pieces across the world. And all your life, you seek that other person to make the whole. So you might find something that seems like a perfect complement, and then you realize it's not, and then you break off to, find that, to move on to try and find that one piece. So you're going to find pieces in life that seem like they're the right match, but they're actually not. And you search your whole life until you find that one piece that fits you, that makes you whole. And I think that when we have that, like, that idea and that destiny, like, I think that the sentiment of I can't live without you is very true. And I think in this film, especially, it's distorted and manipulated and obviously controlled by this vampire. But I think in in real life, the way that we're talking about it, it's very true. And I think we all have that one person that we look to, that we lean on, that we, that complete us. And and if, when you find that and you have to hold on to it because it's the most special thing in the world. And I mean, if we're all searching for connection, which is why I love film is because it's all about connection and how we can connect through different things, through universal things, how we can watch connections and how we can relate them. But like once you search and find that connection, you will do anything to hold on to it. I mean, they say that love, love is the most important thing. And I think it is because with love comes connection and understanding and kindness and that's what we all want that's what we all look for yeah no i get that and i agree and in some extent you know but my thing is like like to be so dependent on one person to make like when they leave to be so devastated and so like like distraught uh it's just for me it's like look yes when i was younger yes 100 percent. i was like oh but then as you get older you're like you know what life goes on life goes on and you're going to go on and you're going to meet someone else and you're going to hope that that match is right to just put so much stock in one person is very devastating and and in a lot of ways it can be very harmful to to oneself does that make any sense no absolutely it totally does but at the same point like why if i find a connection that is so true and so loving has opened me up in so much like why wouldn't like why wouldn't I put everything I have into it? Why wouldn't I give it the best shot? Like, wouldn't I just be like slapping life in the face if we're not, if we're poo-pooing every 
connection that comes to us. And we're, and we're saying this from two very different ages. Like, obviously, like, you have a lot more life and experience on me. But, like, I don't know. Like, when you find that person that means everything to you, you will put, I would, I would stake my whole life on it. I would dedicate myself to it. And I would believe that this is the best thing. And if that failed, it would crush me. But like you said, life goes on, but it wouldn't be the same life. It wouldn't be those, it wouldn't be what it could be because you'll never find, like love, love happens once really, right? Well, there's lust and then there's like infatuation and then there's love and then there's real love. And I feel like when you have that real love, that's all that matters. And there's always going to be bullshit because humans are made up of bullshit and life is bullshit. But when you when you have that love, like, I don't know, when you have that love and you have that connection, I think it's so important to hold on to. And I think it's so powerful. And I think it's so cheesy. But love really does triumph all. I believe. I believe it. Maybe that's like the romantic in me. And maybe that's unrealistic. But it's I believe it. No, this adage is, you know, like if you love something, set it free. It was meant to be a return to you. But there's also the adage of, you know, their ex is for a reason. You know, their ex is for a reason, 100%. I mean, yeah, 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 it was great. It was momentous. It was awesome. And then shit went bad. And then you don't want to look at the shit that went bad. You want to look at the good stuff. But the good stuff, you know, might not outweigh the bad stuff. And then, but you're so hooked on the good stuff that you forget that there was bad stuff. And then when they walk out, you go, oh, no, it was awesome. It was amazing. And then you're like, you know, you're devastated, but then, like, later on in life, you're going to look back and go, yeah, well, you know, the person kind of did this and this and this, and I'm better off without them. But at that spur of the moment, when it first happens, you're just so caught up in the in the idea of love that you forget the fact that, you know, it wasn't peaches and cream. It wasn't roses. And I'm not, listen, I am not despairing love. Trust me, I am not. I love my wife very much. I love her to death, and I would be devastated if she left me. My saying is that, you know, would I continue? Yes, I might be an emotional wreck for a couple of months, but eventually the heart will move on. Yeah, like time does heal all wounds, but at the same point, it's like, I don't know. Wait, I, I don't know. I feel like once you have love that is real and true and, yeah, people are going to fight and, yeah, there are going to be bad times, but, like, you have what's real and what's true, and I think that overpowers it. And I think that, like, I think that you have to be able to take the good and the bad together, right? I was reminded today, I was, um, I was, I was reminded today of a quote that it says, what is grief if not love persevering? And I think that is so true. And I think you need to take the good times with the bad to show that the love does persevere and to show that it is worth it and to show that it matters and to show that like, we're all here for connection and we're all here to find something that means something to us and everything's going to mean something different to other people and I don't know how we got on this tangent I'm so sorry you guys um we will get back to the vampire movie please watch it I would obviously recommend the Swedish one before the uh original I mean the American remake always watch the original you know me but they're both good they're both good the Swedish one is just better yeah I agree and uh, like like I said we got on a little tangent but that was fun uh well not fun but you know, it was it was educational. At least I thought it was. I will say that I felt the Swedish version implemented the neighbors more than the American version, and you actually got to sympathize more with what the neighbors were going through with these vampires and the killings compared to what the Americans were, because it felt more rushed. 
Absolutely. And I think what the Swedish one does so well is it does build up that sense of community. So you can really see where Oscar's coming from. You can really see how this community is getting affected. You can really feel the deaths of these people. It has a much more human approach to it versus just this is a vampire story, which I feel like from the American one gets a little diluted down. Um, I will say tonally, um, the American one really does try to follow the tone of the Swedish one. And these are both based on books. So we could also look at them as two different interpretations of the book. But I do not believe that Matt Reeves read the book. And I do believe he just watched the Swedish movie and was like, I can make this Americanized. Which is awful. Because if you're going to do so, you're going to do so, read the book, man. Read the book. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say, like like I said, I for me personally, I like the uh, American vampire better than the Swedish vampire. I like the Swedish kid better than I did the American kid. I felt the community on the Swedish side was much more emphasized than on the American side. And I felt the bond between the, the vampire and its original caretaker was better in the Swedish than it was in the American. It got into more detail of like why the, the caretaker was so inept with the vampire. Um, I don't know. I agree. And I just feel like when you, you need those expansions of the moments and of the characters to really can for viewers to create that emotional connection and i think the swedish one just does it better watch them both watch none of them but watch the swedish one if you're gonna watch it any of it too <laughs> so yeah so we'll be back we did kind of skip over thanksgiving because of the craziness so we're just gonna go right into christmas um we'll be doing a lot of fun um christmas films uh for our international listeners if you guys have any holiday movies or winter themed films that you would like us to cover uh, like we said, we love it. We we try to do as much research and we can and find out what the best things are out there. But for those of you who have grown up and really know from know it, uh, send in your suggestions. We love it. We're, we're definitely going to start off with some Christmas uh, classics that we consider Christmas classics, maybe some new films, but we'd love to get some international ones, too. I mean, there are winter holidays all over and we don't just have to do Christmas. 100%. And I'd like to thank, you know, we haven't been podcasting for like almost like a month. And our stats are still going really strong. And I, I like to thank India. I like to thank America, the Emirates states. I mean, you guys are still listening to us and you're still downloading us and you're still learning about us. And even in America, you guys are starting to discover us. And that's the thing. We don't want to grow wrong. We want to grow right with you because we want you to actually care about this product and we want to care about you and want to give you the best product we can. And I think that's what makes us stronger than a lot of people is that we actually care what you guys feel. So we appreciate it. And that's why our slogan is dare to be different because we want you guys to be yourselves and we want to appreciate the fact that we're just being ourselves. Exactly. And like we said, we, we do it for you guys. Ben and I could talk at each other all day. And, but we love that we can share our thoughts with you. We love when you guys write in. We love we love the community that we're building. So please, please, please write in, subscribe, like, leave comments. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. We love to hear from you guys. So, Ben? All right. Well, this was a great podcast, and I greatly appreciate you guys being patient with us for having that time off. We're glad to be back, and I'm glad Kira's back. I'm glad we're both here like doing this podcast together. Tune in next time to What's Happening.